We're continuing through uh, our studies of Romans today, and uh, we're up to chapter 10, verse 18. But as we do, um, I want to give a bit of an explanation before we start this, because we might just wonder what this has to do with us. Paul has been um, speaking for some time about Israel. That's his people, his nation, chosen by God, and yet not all are saved. Uh, a, a people, a, 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 there's a lot of people in a nation, and some of those people have rejected God, and some of those people haven't rejected God. Uh, and, and as I read this passage, what I want you to think about, because what I'm actually going to talk about is because Israel as a nation and their people is, doesn't have a lot of relevance for us today the continuation of Israel. But what I will be talking about is we are God's people, true? And uh, we actually know and trust in the Lord Jesus. But what about, the question we ask a lot is what about our families? We ask that, don't we? About uh, the generations before us and the generations that follow us. Uh, People who are brought up in the church, brought up hearing the word, well, some of them have, and some of them have accepted the message and some have rejected the message, or at least so far. How, how are we to think about those? Uh, and uh, I also want to remind you that Paul had said at the start of Romans 9, the whole of the three chapters, 9, 10 and 11, uh, jumping in and out of this subject. He said this, I speak the truth in Christ, Christ I'm not lying, My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race. Quite simply, what he's saying there is, I love my people. He's talking about his family. He's talking about his race. He's talking about his nation. I love them. And we love, our, we love our families, don't we? Um, and uh, the, we, we fit in, in quite different ways in, within our families and our families are at different places and I'll talk about this some, as some. So that's a bit of an explanation just so that you can be thinking about this as I read the, the Bible verse, which starts at Romans 10 verse 18. Is that up there? Yep. Uh, but I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the earth. Again I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses said, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. And Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those people who did, by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. But concerning Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hand to a disobedient and obstinate nation. I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I'm an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he appealed to, the God, of his, to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars and I'm the only one left and they're trying to kill me. And what was the Lord's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. 
So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. What then? What the people of Israel sought so earnestly they did not obtain. The elect among them did, but the others were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that could not see and ears that could not hear to this very day. And David says, May their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution forever. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. Okay, that's heavy, isn't it? Did I, did I lose you there? Right, we're going to wake up again now. A long Bible verse, and I'm, I'm not going to actually read it all out again. But he said, my people Israel, they actually heard the message of God. They heard it. We say that about our family members, don't we? They heard the message. We know they did. And even the message of God went out through some of them. But some, having heard, become disobedient and obstinate. So God made himself known to other people outside of Israel, outside of the family, to new people. He says, I was found by those who didn't seek me. There were these lost, blind people who weren't even seeking God and God showed himself to them. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. God revealed himself to others, those who weren't brought up in his ways. So did God reject his people? By no means, he said, I'm an an Israelite. And he says, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. Now, it's interesting he says that because Benjamin was one of these, uh, this was one of the tribes that nearly got completely wiped out because they really did some horrible things. And still, there was a remnant remaining and Paul was one of those and he was chosen by God and he turned out to be a great messenger of God. So he says, did God reject all his people? No, he didn't. I'm still a Christian. Okay. And there are Christians around me in the nation. And then he tells the story of Elijah who complained to God. I don't know if you know that story. Elijah gets up in the cave and he has a bit of a whinge. He says, all the people have rejected me. I'm the only one left. I'm the only faithful one, God. And God says, there's 7,000 others that you don't know about and you do know some of them. He already knew about some of them. He was just... Just, just having a whingy day. Uh, but he's, God says, there's 7,000 I've protected for myself and kept for myself. In other words, I'm the one who chooses people and what you see with your eyes is not necessarily the way it is. I stay faithful to my people, even when they are unfaithful to me. And so in verse 5 uh, of, chapter, of chapter 11 today, he says, so too, at the present time, There is a remnant chosen by grace. So we've jumped to the present time, which is present time for Paul, but it's the present time for us too. A remnant chosen by grace, and if by grace, then it cannot be on works, cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. Right. Now, sorry, there's a big history I've given you there. Now I'll slow down a bit. I want to focus a bit on this. A remnant chosen by grace. Do you know what a remnant is? Right, let's just say we, we get the packet of biscuits and, and we pour them into our Tupperware container and it's full and then we hand it out and everybody takes their biscuit and when we finish, there's one or two left. The remnant. It's not, 
It's not the majority. That never happens. <laughs> it is, it's a remnant. It's a small amount left. Does that make sense? Yeah. Good. Um, and understand this. When it comes to salvation, if we were to be honest, we have to say this. There's a narrow road. Jesus said that. And there's a wide road. And the narrow road is the right road, isn't it? Is that true? So um, not everybody will be saved. Okay, we, we understand this. But God keeps and protects for himself a remnant that is chosen. Okay, a remnant chosen by grace. They are of God's choosing. Uh, Jesus said, you know, it's not you who chose me, but I who chose you. He said that to his disciples. And, and we know in our Bible studies, we've heard that Jesus was sort of, he picked out a motley crew of disciples and somehow he just said, follow me, and they just did. It's a really weird thing, isn't it? They just left what they were doing and they followed him. He chose them and the Holy Spirit gave them the drawing and they followed. Okay. God chooses who will save. We've gone through that really clearly in Romans 9. And it's only those who are in Christ who will be saved and they will be a remnant chosen by grace. So if they're a remnant, a small number chosen by God, by grace, it means they were not chosen because they were better than other people. Do you understand that about yourself? God didn't choose you because he thought, now here's a good person. Here's someone, well, they have a truly good heart or there's something, they're a bit more faithful or they're more likely to stick with me. He chose them by grace, which means by his kindness. God reveals his message in grace to sinful people and he saves them by his choice, not by their discerning. Otherwise, as Paul says, grace wouldn't be grace. That would be works, earning. Okay. Right. Now, just to stop here, and, and I, I've got a family. Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm talking more about those above me, really, uh, those in the generations above me. I just want to talk about them, in, and because my family is not that different to your family if we were to talk about Christian Christianity. But a few generations back, uh, some of my forebears were Christian. It's hard to say because you, you're here and you have two parents and four grandparents and eight great-grandparents and 16, whatever they are, and, and 32. But we seem to follow our family line with the name, don't we? But there's lots of other people above us, isn't there? And, and some of those uh, were, were Christians and some of their children, as, as generations went on, grew up and believed the message of Jesus. But if we look back through our family tree, some did not. Uh, some taught their children and prayed for them and their children believed. And some taught their children and prayed for them and their children didn't believe. That's, that's what my family looks like. Uh, my parents are believers. But uh, not at first. My, my dad actually had to become a Christian. He, he wasn't, because you see, when you're born into believing family, you don't, you're not a Christian, are you? you it, it's it's, uh, it's got to be your own. And then uh, you, you've got to actually be born again. And then uh, my mum had no background in the Christian faith. And she uh, believed. And, and then and, and they taught me, whether good or bad, 
in, a, in a good or bad way and I rebelled against God and I went against him. I went my own way and then at his right time, he saved me by grace. He chose me. But not all the people in my family believe. And uh, now I've got children and I've got grandchildren and I don't really, I can't tell you what the future is going to look like for them. Uh, I can tell you my desire as, as Paul, that more than anything is that they would believe in him. That's, that's the, you know, I, I'm with Paul. I'd rather die myself and have them believe. But we don't know the future. Now, I, I say that because families are complicated and whilst, uh, you know, um, we, it, there's so many people involved, uh, it, it's all over the shop when it comes to Christianity. It's a bit like the pe- people of Israel, isn't it? Yeah. They were chosen by God, so they're all pretty good. <laughs> they were by, chosen by God and similar to our families, they were all over the place, weren't they? Is that true? But we know this. God in his grace steps in and he saves people, doesn't he? He saved me. That's how I know that. That's not the only way I know that because he promises, as we've been talking about, to save people. So he brings in new people along the way from families who have had no Christian background. They get converted. And, and I remember uh, at, at one point, uh, not that long ago, someone said, oh, there's this family and everybody is Christians. They're all wonderful. And, uh, and then as we got to know them, we found out that there is this family who had a strong church culture. <laughs> yeah. There's quite a difference, isn't there? They're all Christians. They all attended church, actually. That's not they're all Christians. Do you understand? Because think about this. Just say you lived in Moses' time. God led you out into the desert, okay? The Israel soldiers are coming up behind you. Lightning comes down. A fire from the Lord and stops them. The Red Sea is open. You walk through on dry land and there's walls of water on either side. You come to the mountain of God, Sinai. You hear the Ten Commandments in your own ears as God speaks. The, the mountain is shaking and rumbling and fire is all over it, okay? And each day God provides manna for you to eat and out of a rock comes enough water to, feed, to, to water a million people and all their animals. You've seen all of that, okay? And how many of them believed? Just a remnant, yeah? There was constant worship of idols and divisions among those people. Yeah, that just seems to be the way it is, doesn't it? And we think about these things and we think about those who are close to our heart. One thing we've got to say is this. I'm, I'm going to come and bring this all together. I'm only just throwing some thoughts at you. So I'm sorry if this is a bit untidy, but I have an untidy mind and uh, that's how it is. We have to say this, though. What a privilege for us 
to be able to say, we are children of God. Isn't that, isn't, isn't that a wonderful thing? What we're saying is, for, for whatever reasons, in his purposes, God has chosen to love me and to be chosen to be loved is such a, a precious gift. And to have God say to us, you are my son or you're my daughter in whom I delight, I'm well pleased, and, and, and we know that he is because he sent Jesus. Um, and yet, with all of that thanks... Uh, we are like Paul, because I'll say it again. He's spending three chapters going in and out of this issue. These are my people, my beloved family, and they're all over the place. And I want them to be saved, but they deserve not to be saved, because look at the way they rebelled, but gee, I want them to be saved. And gee, and, and gee I'm angry with them, and gee, I love them. Yeah. Sometimes, though... So. When we really wonder, we say things like, we never say this out loud, what are you doing, God? Do we ever do that? We accuse God of being wrong. Are you sure you've got this the right way around, God? Are you sure my plan's not a bit better than your plan? That's what, we don't say that. But God, if you could say to me, your will be done, my will, that is Derek's, things would be a lot better, hey? That's what we'd say. And we hope and we doubt and we wonder. Okay, what then? What the people of Israel sought so earnestly they did not obtain. The elect among them did, but others were hardened. That's what scripture says. There are some who are elect. There are some who hardens. And it is God who elects and it's God who hardens. And we know this. If we were saved by grace... It will always and only be by grace that people are saved. It will never be by works. It will only ever be by God's pure love. And we also know this. As we said last week, we're called to speak the message of Jesus to others. And as we do, some will be saved. But God's sovereignty and God's will is always just out of our grasp. It's just out of our knowledge, isn't it? We get an inkling into what he's doing, but we never see the whole picture. And we wish we could. I actually think if we could, our heads would just be fried. Because uh, firstly, by God's holiness, but the depths of his knowledge. But it frustrates us when his will is done and ours is not, doesn't it? Which proves that we're not God. God operates according to his will and purpose and not ours. So, out of all of that big mess of thoughts, um, I want to bring you just seven points. <laughs> Two of them are really long and the rest are really short. So just to, what, if you're worried that each point's going to go for ten minutes and that's ooh, is that the time already. But these things, what are that calm our fears and give us freedom and joy and peace. And the first thing I want to just say simply this is, we're commanded in scripture to trust in Jesus, to fix our eyes on him. He alone is our hope and salvation. Never stop thinking on him and praising him and loving our saviour, point one. Okay, does that seem like an odd point? It's point one. 
Point two, as we've said over the last few weeks, we speak, we pray, we trust that he'll work as we speak and pray. It's point three, which is the hardest but the most important one that I want to make, and that is we live with a joyful resignation of God's will. A joyful resignation of God's will. Okay? That's like this. Uh, for us, I think it is, you know when the uh, toddler or the, the does not get what they want and dad picks them up and says, you're not getting what you want, and they start struggling and kicking and struggling and kicking, and sometimes what dad does, or mum, doesn't matter, they tend to rebel against both, <laughs> is they hold on to them and they kick and struggle and kick and struggle and kick and struggle, and then when they realise... Uh, this is a losing battle. They start to slow down their kicking and struggling. Yeah. And then, and then about 14 years later, they go, I think mum might have been right or dad might have been right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. You get what I'm saying. That's what a resignation is. And I'll, I'll talk about what it's not as well. But we murmur against God. Some of these thoughts have come from a bloke called Arthur Pink. Uh, her book that we've been, Jodie and I have been reading, so I want to give him credit for these. But we don't murmur against God. We don't all murmur, you know, we don't complain. We, uh, we do often in our heart more than we do with our lips. We must not think in an entitled way. Um, we're saved by grace. We're not deserving. So can we really say, look, God, if you look at my faithfulness, you know that my children should deserve to be saved. That's not grace, is it? Uh, if God looked at my faithfulness, my poor children. <laughs> yeah. If he, if he said, well, I'll judge your children on the basis of you, my children would be in deep trouble. God's will is not like our will. We are not saved in our way. We're saved in his way. So I'm going to give you some examples from, from Scripture. You know the story in 1 Samuel 3. Samuel's a boy in the temple. And he hears God speaking to him, but he doesn't know it's God at first. And he goes to Eli and Eli says, that's God speaking to you. We love that bit of the story. Go back and listen. And, and, and Samuel goes back and listens and he hears a message which for a, a four or five or six-year-old boy must have been shocking. He hears this message that says, there's going to be a great judgment on Israel and especially on Eli and his sons. <laughs> Yay says this little boy. And then the next morning, Eli says, come and tell me what God said. <laughs> and, and, and Eli says, make sure you tell me every little bit and you don't miss anything. Yeah, I'm sure Samuel was uh, a little bit nervous at this. And he says, uh, well, the Lord said, you know, your sons you, uh, have been uh, disobedient, they've been evil and you haven't restrained them. And they're going to be judged. And there will be no atonement for them. In other words, your sons are going to be lost. That's ouch. Yeah? And Eli says this. This is 1 Samuel 3.18. He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. He, had, he trusted God. Your will be done. I know you know best. Job had all these horrible things happen to him, didn't he? 
and including the deaths of his children. And he has this statement which rings in our ears and we make songs about, but, if, but we're singing about something terrible. He says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's a really strong statement, isn't it? In other words, I, I see everything I have is coming from God and if I lose it, it comes from God. And I'm going to accept that. His ways are above my ways. But his will is eternally good. It is the best. It is right. This is hard for us to understand, isn't it? And yet it's easy for us to understand. Sorry, it's easy for us to understand. It's hard for us to accept. James, he's talking about God's will And when we put our will on God and and things like that, and he says this, Now listen, you who say, this is James 4, 13, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city. We'll spend a year then. We'll carry out our business and we'll make money. Why, why Why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What's your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. It's like, you know, you, you boil the kettle and out comes the mist. And then where's it? It's gone. Yep. Ought you say, you, instead you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we'll live and we'll do this or that. We don't know what our tomorrow looks like, do we? We, we do make our plans. But God at any point steps in. And what this is really saying is our wills, what we want... God has to actually break them and our wills have to give way to his will. This is what the book by Arthur Pink was saying. He said, this is his quote, he said, to give in to the sovereign will of God is one of the great secrets of peace and happiness. To give in to the will of, to sovereign will of God is one of the great secrets of peace and happiness. There can be no real submission with contentment until we are broken in spirit, until we are willing and glad for the Lord to have his ways with us. I'm going to read that again because it's an important quote. To give in to the sovereign will of God is one of the great secrets of peace and happiness. There can be no real submission with contentment until we are broken in spirit, until we are willing and glad for the Lord to have his way with us and our families, that's my quote, and our lives. There's another story. It actually seems, because I don't know if you know, Samuel's children weren't that good either then. And that caused all this problem with them having to ask a king and Saul became king and he wasn't that good either. He was who the people chose. And then David, well, he was the one God chose and David was, oh, yeah, he was perfect in every way. But, but yeah, understand that uh, families are a mess and, and I'd encourage you if, you, if you get the chance, just to read through David's story of life, just write through his story and see the mess that his family was constantly, and a fair bit of the time it was because of his own doing. 
those deaths and rebellions from his sons and 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 in all this, this and but actually when 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 he's you know the child born with uh, Bathsheba when uh, that he, he died, um, David accepted it. If this is the will of the Lord, I'll, I, he you know he stopped grieving and he he got on with life. That seems hard. Now is this? I'll say it again. A sweet resignation. Is a sweet resignation fatalism? Remember Doris Day? Okay, there are, there are, whatever will be, will be. You can't change it. Nothing's going to change that, is it? That's only for the old people who remember watching the Doris Day show. But. I mean the old people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Moving right along. Um, so. What are we just saying? Look, there's God's will, so just you're just a pawn, you're just a you're basically a battering tool, and, and you're going to get hit for all of your life. No, uh, he's not actually saying that, he's saying that you are God's people, we are we seek his will, and we are those who accept God's will as best. So, in the, in the next chapter, in Romans chapter. It's going to say this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I'm not going to go right through this verse right now, but there's a renewing of the mind, which is not like worldly people think. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So we are actually involved in understanding God's will. We're not just... We're not just passengers or we're not just the ball in a pinball machine going whack, 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 whack. And oh, another one, oh, another one. You understand? We, have, we see God's will at work through us. But we seek his will and we pray things like, your kingdom come, your will be done. Aren't we? Your will be done. It happened to Paul. He was sick. He had some sort of a thorn in his flesh. And uh, he could have said, as many people say today, it's not God's will for any of his children to be sick. Yeah? But that's not what it, He said he prayed three times. He sought God's will. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In other words, it's my will that you be sick. And I'm not going to take this from you because it's going to cause you to see that my grace is everything in your life. Your will be done, you know best. Jesus prayed that in Gethsemane, didn't he? Not my will, but yours. Actually, he didn't just pray it there. His whole life was a life of your will be done, not mine. Everything he did, whatever he faced. Not. So, and yet... It is a submission of, of, of giving ourselves to the will of God and, and, and letting our own will be, be broken and taken away. It, it is a, it's a resignation that we are giving in to the highest and the best and the greatest and the most glorious, which is the will of God the Father. Okay. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? We will have joy in this world. We will have joy in our families. We'll have joy in our communities. As, yes, 
we tell people about Jesus. Yes, we pray for them, but we are comfortable knowing that God himself knows best. Okay. That's not an easy message, part three. It's just the truth. Part four is this. Knowing what God is on about in our families, we just we praise him and we give thanks because we know we've been saved by him and that's everything. Point five is this. Understand this. God is the God of justice and he's the God of grace. Hold those in your mind at all points and be glad that he's the God of justice and that he's the God of grace. In heaven, as we gather as his children, none of us will question his justice. We will say, your decisions are right and good and we're so thankful for them. Yep, his justice is always good. He is a God who does not lay aside sin. All sin will be judged for. Thank goodness that in his grace, his, our sin was judged for fully on the cross. But he is always a God of grace and he's always a God of justice. And he's always right. So as, as we think about any other person, understand that he is the same God of justice and grace as he comes to those people. The sixth point is this. We've got to trust in God's end of the story. We see at a moment in time, and I don't know if you've ever realised this, but huge changes happen sometimes like this in people's lives. People go on for years in trouble and suddenly there's a change. Have you ever seen that? It happens in a moment and then all of a sudden you go, it's like it's always this way. We see people wander away for years and then in a moment we see people converted. They are... God brings huge changes just like that. What I'm saying in this is it's God's will and it's his story. So we trust in his end and we trust in his story. And the last thing I want us to do is, uh, is it, has someone got the, can you pull up Habakkuk 3 verse 2? Ah, when you, when you can get that going. But, but I, want, I want to make this point. We pray for God's revival. We want God to revive his people. Don't we? And we want God to revive our people. We want him to bring about the change that we know he can do. And we are called to pray for that. We're called to pray for people, but we are called to pray for his revival. So in Habakkuk 3.2, this is a prayer. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I've heard of your renown. I know what you're like. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath. Remember mercy. In your justice, remember grace. Show your grace 
And where does the where does the grace and 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 wrath of God, where does the justice and mercy of God meet? In the cross. Remember your cross, our Lord. I think that we want to pray this. We have this resignation. It's a sweet resignation. We trust in God's will, but we pray for revival, don't we? And uh, I, I actually think in a, in a minute uh, we, we're actually going to pray that prayer together. And when I'm praying that prayer, I'm going to be thinking about revival in my context and you'll be thinking about it in yours. But pray it as a heartfelt prayer because God hears our prayers. But I'll finish by saying this. We pray, trusting in God's will, we pray your will be done. And we lay down our wills and we submit them to him. And we even are happy when he breaks our will. And all of this is called living by faith. That's what it is. It's live by faith. Faith in the trustworthy, faithful, holy, loving, gracious, compassionate, choosing, electing, all-powerful, king, that's the one ruling, the God, the one who, who made everything, the creator, who is also the father, who loves us dearly. Okay.